All right. Everyone, please grab your seats. We're going to continue with our time of worship today by going to the Word of God. Um, but before we do that, um, some folks that have been with us for a while, just share with me that they're going to be moving on. I just wanted to pray for you guys and bless you today. Um, Toy and family over here, um, can you just raise your hands for just a second? Just wave at everybody. Thank you so much. If you're around them, can we just maybe put a hand on their shoulder? And I just want to pray a blessing over you guys, okay? We really appreciate you being here and being a part of our family, and we're excited about what God's going to do in you in the next season. So, Father, we just thank you so much for Toy and family, Lord God, this amazing couple, Lord Jesus. We pray that you'll bless them in this next move, Lord Jesus. We pray your anointing to be upon them, Lord God. We pray that you will provide for them, Lord Jesus, in every way, Lord God, financially, emotionally, spiritually. Father God, we pray that you'll connect them to an awesome church. And Father God, we pray that they'll continue to thrive and grow in their relationship with you, Lord Jesus. I pray you'll bless them in the city. You'll bless them in the country, Lord God. I pray you'll bless them as they drive, Lord Lord Jesus, and I pray that you'll keep them safe, Lord Jesus, and lead and guide each one of their steps. We thank you for them now in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Love you guys. Um, okay, so this morning, without any further ado, we are continuing our series this morning on values. And I'm just curious who's been paying attention. So what was the first value that we talked about? Pastor Mike, you are not allowed to answer this. My associate pastor is not allowed to answer it. And Josiah, you can't answer it either because you're doing PowerPoint. That's not fair. All right. What was the first value? Word of God. Yeah, I heard it. Awesome. Okay, awesome. What was the second value? Josiah, you can do it. Nope. No, vision was the first sermon. That's very good, though. That's very, very good. Worship. You got it. Awesome. And the third value, the one we talked about, you know this one, Tracy. Come on. You spoke on it. Last week was prayer. All right. And this week, this week, we are going to be talking about the value of rest. Notice how I slowed down my voice and said that quieter when I introduced it. <laughs> I'm going to whisper my prayer today. I mean, my sermon today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and we're going to be doing, talking about the value of rest. And you might say, well, rest, that's kind of strange. What does that have to do with the church? What does that have to do with our Christian faith? What does it have to do with our walk with Jesus? And we're going to explore that idea today. I'm really excited to dive into this idea of rest. Um, there's some wonderful scriptures that are going to be bringing forward to you. But one of the things I've loved the most about the sermon series is that we have been releasing somebody each week to share a brief testimony or thought on the subject of that week. And of course, today is the subject of rest. And the, the statement underneath is that we will operate out of a place of grace. We will operate out of a place of grace. And so I asked somebody to come and share with us briefly their thoughts on rest today. Before I introduce him, I just want to tell you this is a man of God. This is a man that I have gotten to know personally. And it's um, Elio de Lima Jr., um, along his wife back there is Stephanie, and Elio is our financial administrator. In this season, he's been with us, and he has been doing an amazing job. And one of my benefits of being his boss is that I've gotten an opportunity to get to know him. And you guys, I just want to affirm these guys. These, this is a couple that follows Jesus. This is a couple that loves the Lord. This is a man of God with an incredible depth and an incredibly beautiful relationship with Jesus. And so I was really excited to ask him to come and share with us on the subject of rest. And so in that vein, can we give him a big hand as he comes up to share a five-minute testimony 
on rest. long sabbatical just to you know seek the Lord and and try to understand what he was saying there are times in our lives we need to do stuff like that honestly it wasn't easy because I like to 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 do things but it was intentional so that was necessary and the thing that I learned is that the the laws of the Lord are for you but if you break them they will break you Genesis 2, 2 says that God finished his work and he rested. The picture here is that he sat down and ceased from work. And the word for rest here is Shabbat. Shabbat is a three-letter word in Hebrew that shin bet tav. Shin is, uh, um, it has a prophetic meaning of El Shaddai, Almighty, God Almighty. And the priests in Israel on, on Friday night at the sundown, they blow the trumpet. They did that in the past. They still do it today. They proclaim Shabbat's on. And then they pray over the nation. The same thing happens inside the home. And they do this. They're not being Spock. They're just praying. And this is Shin. They do it with both hands. Like they're laying the name of God over the people. And they pray, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's a picture of a father picking his son, looking in the eye, and giving a kiss on the forehead, saying, I'm here. There is peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Bet is a floor, floor plan of a house. Tav is two sticks crossed, or a cross, or covenant. And one of the verses that kept on my mind throughout the whole year is that Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Learn from me. And such a beautiful verse because Jesus calls those who are heavy burdened to come to him and receive from him rest. As a gift, a recompense. And then he proceeds with a command. Take my yoke upon you. I'm like, come on. I came to rest. You're giving me work. But Jesus shows us that 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 gift is a recompense of surrendering to his call and joining him as a disciple. And that's powerful. The reality of rest that he offers is so powerful because it involves intentional humility to learn Intentional humility to submit to him and to receive its ownership of destiny. We lay hold of it. In other words, rest comes by abiding in him, allowing him to show us the way of life, our prepared destiny. Psalm 139, 18, that says, all my days are written in your book. Psalm 127, such a beautiful example. It says that it's in vain that you rise early, retire late. You eat the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved, even in his sleep, 
Another translation says that to those he loves, he gives sleep. The key word here is give because the gift has to be given. For you to receive something has to be gifted. It's give. I'm like, God, what does it mean that you give? You know, I, I went on Strong's and I'm digging, digging. And one of the definitions is be healed. It's funny how sometimes you, you start to think about stuff when you stop, when you sit down and you seize. 2012, during the Olympics, a ministry a movement in, in Europe, all over the world, that we served in Berlin, Germany, we put together a 50-day non-stop prayer and worship, worship during the Olympics in London. Took a bus from Berlin to London, 21 hours, got there super tired, straight to the church where we're having the, the meetings. And I walked in. I was greeted by the sweetest, the most gentle presence of Jesus. I felt like the tiredness just lifted up. And it's the sweetest memory that I have in my life. I learned that season that I'm still learning, not by information, but by walking with Jesus, by, by revelation, by striving to enter his rest, by locking myself in my room and praying through the night sometimes and fighting. That the same way that he did, I need to do. I need to see sometimes. I need to rest. I need to take his yoke from, upon me and learn from him. Allow him to place his name upon me. his blessings and enter his house and the finished work of his covenant and receive from him, allowing him to give me rest. In other words, to heal me with his refreshment, with his grace. The only that's only possible through an intentional response. It's not a passive response, have nothing, nothing to do with laziness. It's intentional. This is maturity in the kingdom. We lay it all at the altar. We lay out trophies, defeats, our false comforts, our complaining excuses, our ideals of who he should be and what we think he should do. We seize, even from the good work done in his name sometimes. We seize, even from our diligent devotion to that which we've been called to, our vocation. We seize in obedient devotion to his command. We seize and we take his yoke. We, after a long journey, we enter in and allow him to lift the weariness off. We abide and we stand in the finished work of the cross. I learned that rest is in fact the place I encounter him. And as I encounter him, I am able to live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of his mouth. It's a place of encountering destiny and fruitfulness. It's a place of taking the light in him. It's a place of resurrection life. In closing, in fact, it's a place where he, the Father, comes and kisses me with perfect shalom. Nothing missing. 
nothing broken because he is enough. I pray this blesses you today. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Elio. I'm just like, just like sinking in. Oh, that was so powerful. And we believe every word of what he said. That was so amazing. We live in a culture, church, that almost rewards the busy and the how many plates can you keep in the air and how many things can you juggle and, you know, how big is your capacity. And the kingdom of God is always opposite, right? Upside down kingdom. And that's why we felt when we prayed two years ago about what would be values for our church that we strongly felt that rest needed to be in there. And that is not a typical one that a church would put in their values. Um, because we want to always be a church that operates out of that place. I just love that imagery of being kissed by the Father in perfect peace. And everything that we do here as a church, craft fair, kids ministry, worship, is done out of that place of finding our rest and our confidence in the Lord. I just love that image. I love everything he said. I will probably go back and record that and just listen to that over and over again. That was so good, Elio. Thank you. Um, yes, we will operate out of a place of grace, peace, rest. Why? We rest so that we can care for and bring people to Jesus well. Not in this scurried, frantic, hurried, frazzled way, but in a peaceful way that invites people in. They actually want to come and join us because they can notice there's something different about the people of God. Amen? There's something different about us because we walk in a peaceful confidence a peaceful rest, an identity, knowing who we are. All those things come. I'm probably jumping ahead to all the things. Um, <laughs> but um, we, you know, we want to be arrested people that can bring people to Jesus. Amen. And we, we are constantly on. Now, we are no way a couple or a family that has this down pat. I feel so unqualified to speak on this, but I can tell you this is that it is something that we contend for and we fight for in our daily life and in our family life because we want to um, experience the rest that God has for us. We want to follow and obey his commands. And we know that rest is God's gift to us, his church. It's his rest to us or his gift to us, his children. And a super, supernatural strength can be found when we're operating from this place of rest. We can tap into supernatural strength that goes beyond us, beyond our comprehension, beyond our humanness, when we rest just as God commands. Hebrews 4, 9, verse 11 says, There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works. Elio was just talking about that. As God did from his, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Church, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. I just want to pray, Lord Jesus, I pray in these next few moments, Lord, that you would continue to do a work in our hearts. You already have begun it, as we've already heard such powerful 
word on rest, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you would challenge, gently convict, inspire us as we dig into your word on this topic. May we learn and grow in Jesus' name. Amen. As Tom mentioned earlier, we live in a society that seems to encourage us to hustle hard. In 1930s, the British economist John Maynard Keynes predicted that the biggest problem facing future generations would be what to do with their leisure time. There was this thought that because everything was becoming automated, and you know, uh, all these different things were starting to happen, machines were kind of taking over, that eventually the thought was the problem we're going to have in the future is that people aren't going to know what to do with themselves. They're going to be bored. So how are we going to fix this problem? Well, past selves... I can tell you confidently that is not a problem. In fact, the society that we live in encourages us to hustle hard. It encourages us to climb the ladder, to get ahead, to take that second job, to pick up the second mortgage, to to get the better car, to go after the other thing, and to pursue whatever it is that we need to accomplish this, to get more. We have this thing about comparison where we don't want to get left behind. It's all about keeping up with the Joneses. Work a little bit harder. Be a little bit better with your time management. Be better with all these different things. And and honestly, church, I know for myself, it becomes overwhelming. This concept of rest, therefore, is actually counter-cultural. It's a concept that pushes against the culture that says you need to work harder. You need to push harder. You need to do more. You need to be more efficient. And this idea of rest pushes against that culture. As Elliot was sharing earlier, you know, Matthew chapter eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a great picture of take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In other words, to be yoked with Jesus is to walk at his pace. Psalms 11, uh, 116 verse 7 says, Return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Rest is very biblical. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. And number one, God demonstrated rest. He demonstrated it. Genesis 2, 2 and 3 says, And on the seventh day God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which God had created and made. How many times does that word rest come up in that passage? Exodus 31 verse 17 says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now, does our God get tired? (laughs) Did he actually need like a nap? Did he actually need a rest? No. God must be showing us something very very important here. He wants us to take note when you're reading that creation story. God rested. He took a whole day to rest. He is showing us the importance of this principle. How important it is. It's for your good. It's for my good that we pause. We still ourselves and we take a breath and we wait before we move. Wait for the Lord. Number two, God, so not only did he demonstrate it, 
Number two, he commanded it. It's in the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, Sabbath, um, Elio just broke that down so perfectly for us. That's a weekly day of rest. It was a Hebrew word, Shabbat, rest. Shabbat, sorry. Um, and in Exodus 28 to 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Hallowed means make holy, consecrate, sacred. He set apart a day to make it holy. Again, Hebrews 4, 9 to 11 that I just read before. There remains therefore, church, a rest for the people of God. That's you and me. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter, enter that rest commanded it. He commanded it. Number three, God through Jesus exemplified a lifestyle of rest. And I love this. This is the New Testament. When we get into, so that was the Old Testament that I was talking about, the creation story, the Ten Commandments and Exodus. Now, if you read the Gospels and we follow the life of Jesus, and we want to follow his life, it's a very good thing to do, is follow him and, and watch what he does. Jesus lived this out. He lived out a posture of rest, a way of less a way of rest, an unhurried lifestyle. Jesus walked, not ran. Have you ever seen a scripture that says Jesus ran to the next thing? Jesus ran. And, you know, he did it. He actually walked. Jesus walked from place to place, from um, community village to village. He walked. People always talk about walking with God. They don't, there's not a phrase about running with God. This isn't like a who gets to the end the quickest, right? We're not on that, you know? It's not like, let's go. It's an unhurried pace. Matthew 9, verse 18, we see Jairus, the ruler, who had come and asked Jesus to come heal his daughter. So he came to Jesus and says, you need to raise my daughter. She's dead. So as they are walking to Jairus' home, a woman stops them, and Jesus is interrupted by a woman who has an issue of blood, who is sick, who has a disease for 12 years. She is able to reach out to him because he is not on this hurried pace. He's not on a mission. Okay, I've got to get there. He's open to interruptions. He's open to someone coming and stopping where he's going in his journey so that he can touch them. That one really speaks to me all the time. I'm like, oh my goodness, how many times in my day am I so on a mission, a goal, I got to get here, I got to do this, here's my to-do list, this needs to be done, that's all of us, that I don't have time or maybe don't have time to notice a holy interruption in my day. And do I have time for that interruption? For me, it may be one of my kids. It may be a parent at the school when I'm walking around. Could be anything. I, my neighbor, I'm going for a walk with my dog. Do I have time? to be interrupted in my days. If I had the pace of my Jesus, I would say, yes, I would. So that is something that I'm always wrestling with and trying to work out in my life. 
Mark 3, verse 7 says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. He withdrew. Time away from the crowds. Time away from the teaching and the ministering and the miracles. Mark 6, 31. And he said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. That's Jesus talking. Come, come, rest. Jesus napped. Holiness, hey, for all of you nappers out here, look at Jesus nap. So hallelujah for you. I can't nap. I'm not a napper, but I know naps are really awesome. So Jesus napped. Remember the boat? Remember the storm and the disciples are freaking out. Their stress level is like as high as it can be. And they're like shaking, arrested, napping Jesus. <laughs> nap, church, nap. There's holiness in rest. There's holiness in stopping and ceasing your work and saying, I'm done. I'm done. I need to stop. Dallas Willard, an American theologian known for his writings on Christian spiritual formation. We love Dallas. (laughs) I wish I knew him. Um, Hurry. This is his quote from him. He says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Now, we have a life group that is going through a study that is called Ruthlessly Eliminate Hurry from Your Life. And this is Dallas Willard who came up with that, that quote. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That means it is going to be hard because we're so ingrained in it in this culture. We need to have a slower pace so we have time to know Jesus time to be interrupted to bring people to Jesus, to be interrupted by the Holy Spirit. Now, I even don't even like saying that because I wish I didn't have to be like interrupted by him. I wish I could just hear him so clearly all the time. But this is the truth. Sometimes because I am at a hurried pace, I am not hearing the voice of my Father. I'm not hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit as clearly as I could if I just exhale slow down. He wants to talk to you. He wants to show you how to deal with that situation that you're facing right now. He wants to help you with that situation at work. He wants to speak into that. Are you listening? Are you slowing? Are you stopping? Elliot talked about that. Just actively taking it. I am stopping because I need to know my Jesus more. I need his words to be my bread. I need his words to give me life to my soul. C.S. Lewis said, To walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow and hurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer and only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. I'm sorry, that was Walter Adams, a spiritual director to C.S. Lewis. So review of those three. God demonstrated rest. He commands it. And God, through Jesus, exemplified a lifestyle to us of rest. Awesome. So the question then is, how does this idea of rest impact the culture of our church? I understand a lot of the things that we're talking about today are very maybe philosophical, spiritual, that sort of thing. I know that this kind of gets at really the heart of, of, of the why we're doing it. I'm going to try and bring out some practical things here as well. But really, the, what is the culture of rest that we want to see in our church? And, and it's kind of established by some basic ideas out of the scriptures. Um, and we desire to see and to establish a culture of rest, a people of rest, uh, that we would understand rest and live our lives and serve Jesus 
out of a position of rest. And you might say, well, what exactly does that mean? What does that actually look like? I'm going to give you three thoughts here on that uh, as we close our sermon today. And this is the first one, that our doing comes out of our being. Now, that's a really kind of like high, maybe hoity-toity sounding idea. So what does that mean? Our doing comes out of our being. And we say this under the statement of rest. We will operate out of a place of grace. And just to be clear, what do I mean by grace? Grace is the divine enabling of the Holy Spirit to do the will of God. It's God's ability, giving us the ability to do what he's called us to do. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It's this idea that God is working in you, and so out of that work that he's doing in you, we are able to work that out in our lives. And I think a really great picture of this is actually found in the book of Genesis at the very beginning of the Bible, where God establishes the days. In Genesis chapter 1, we're told that, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Holy Spirit hovered over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And it goes on to say this, that after this, he called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Did you hear that? The evening and the morning were the first day. Do you know that in a Hebrew sense, when you're, when you're looking at the Bible through a Hebrew lens or a Jewish lens, what you would understand then is that the day actually doesn't begin at 6 o'clock in the morning. How many do this? You know, how was your day today? Oh, man, it's great. I started my day today at 6.30 in the morning. And my daughter came and was talking to me about some clothes that she wanted to wear today. And then I got up and I went about my day and I, I worked it out. And then at the end of the day, I worked so hard today. I had this happening and I had this going on. And then I had to run this person over here and I had to do this. And then I had to go over here and then I had to do this. And I ate some dinner and then I watched the Canucks game and we won. Woo! And then I collapsed into bed and I rested, right? That's like a North American idea of a day. But to the Jewish mind, the day actually started the night before. The night and the day were the first day. Again, Genesis chapter 1 verse 8, And God called the firmament heaven, and so the evening and the morning were the second day. And here's the image. The day starts with sleep. Do you see that? The day starts with sleep. Doesn't start with my daughter waking me up at 6.30 in the morning to talk about some clothes she wants to wear. Not Ashlyn, by the way. She would never do that. It's going to be Aubrey. Don't worry. I'll leave you out of this, girl. I got you. I got you. You know, you, it doesn't start that way, right? It starts with sleep. You sleep. You rest. And then out of rest, you're able to work out your day. Do you see that? Out of rest, you're able to work out your day. So this is the idea that our doing comes before our being. This is the image of the concept of rest. What's that? Our, our doing comes out of our being. Yeah, our being precedes our doing is the idea. From a spiritual perspective, uh, we spoke about this, this concept this summer when we talked about our faith and works coming from a position of grace. That we do not work to earn our salvation, but work is the evidence of our salvation. It begins with rest. And again, we read this this summer, Ephesians 2, 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do you, do you remember that? So we're saved. Are we saved because we're so good? No, we're not. We're saved because God is so good, right? Are we saved because we can work this out and figure all this out on our own? No, we're not. We're saved because God has made a way for us that we could be saved, right? Through, through Jesus Christ, I am saved. It is not a works. If you look at me here today and you're like, Matt, it's because you figured this out and you've got all your systems down. No, it's not. It's because I'm a follower of Jesus and he has called me righteous and holy and he has set me apart and he's given me a name and he has given me a position and he's given me a purpose and he's set me on my feet on a, on a path and I can walk on that path. Because of what Jesus has done, I am saved. Not because of my works, lest men should boast. But then that exact same verse goes on to say this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Sleep first, work second. His salvation first, his working in me, his grace and his mercy in me first. And I'm going to work out of that throughout the day because I know who I am in Christ, because I know what he's called me to do. Amen. Do you see that? The most important thing about you is not the things that you achieve. This is our friend Dallas Willard again. It is the person that you become. That's what you will take into eternity. Do you realize that throughout your day, God is forming himself in you? God is forming himself in you. Isaiah 30 verse 15 says it this way. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength but you would have none of it. Oh, come on. Do you, do you know how, how else this works itself up in our lives? Is when you're facing a challenging time in life, you want to freak out and figure it out. Ah, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. Ton, I'm going to figure this out, babe. And what God's actually calling us to do is just get down on our knees and bring it to him. My work is my rest first. Isaiah 40, 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and the, to those who have no might. He increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How are we able to work out the things that God has put in our hearts? It's by coming back to him and starting in his presence. Therefore, our doing comes out of our being. Number two, you guys with me? Getting some blank stares. Just want to make sure. Number two, rest is an act of faith and trust. It might seem like foolishness to stop and rest, but my obedience will be blessed. Strength mounting up on wings like eagles. It's a defiant act of trust. As you set time aside to honor rest in your life, you are making a defiant stake in the ground that you are trusting God to take care of all the details. You are not in control. It's God's time. It's all God's. You're surrendering to his plan he wants to restore and refresh. Trust in God. Mark 22, verse 27 says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. 
It's a joyful discipline. It's an act of trust. Charles Spurgeon says this, rest time is not waste time. It is economy to gather fresh strength. It is wisdom to take occasional furlough. In In the long run, we shall do more sometimes by doing less. And then finally, number three, rest is living in the confident, in confidence, or living confident in the call, pardon me. Rest is living confident in the call. So just for those who are listening to me today and you're like, what does this practically look like? Is this the church that sleeps? Life church, the church that sleeps. We have our blankies. We have our, you know, our mattresses. Let's all have a nap. That's what we're going to do in the presence of God. No, that's not what that means. Rest is more than that. Rest is a position in your heart. Rest is a position that you walk out. Rest is you rest in who God made you to be. We rest in the grace that is on our lives. And grace, by the way, is the divine enabling to do his will. I'm going to tell you a little secret, church. Whenever I get up here to preach and I am not feeling it, and there are times, I'm going to be really honest with you, I look at Tanya and I say, babe, I don't know if I got it today. Do you know what I do? I don't go, okay, I'm going to try harder. I can do this. I turn to Jesus and I say, okay, God, I know you want to touch people more than I could ever imagine today. I know that you want to move in this place and you love Life Church so much. And so, God, I get out of the way and I'm going to stand up here in the grace of God and declare your word because your word will not return void. It will accomplish what it is set out to do. That's a picture of being strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Again, the fact that I stand up here today and Tanya and I stand up here today is not an endorsement of our righteousness or how great we are, but it is actually a sign of the grace of God working through our lives. And when you go out throughout the day, can we keep that type of perspective, church, that God is giving you the grace to accomplish the things that he has for you to accomplish? Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's, it's going out and, and, and loving your grandkids. Maybe it's, it's going out and loving your husband or wife that day. Maybe it's whatever it is that you're working out that day. It's God who's giving you the divine enabling to do it. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, that's your opportunity to give it back to him. Amen? His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why? Because when you come into the yoke of Christ, you're walking at his pace. And under his authority and with his grace. Unrest comes from comparison, trying to be like others. And we often say that comparison is the thief of joy. You ever heard that before? Romans 12, verse 6 says this In his grace, God has given us different, given it, given, uh, sorry, has given us different, given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift is to serve others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is such a great picture of walking in the grace and in the rest of God. The gifts and callings that he's put on your lives are unique to you. They're things that God has given you to do, and they're things that you can walk in in rest and in confidence, knowing that God goes before you. Not in security or comparison. Oh, my gift's not as cool as that person's gift. You got the gift of kindness? Man, I wish I I'm so mean to people all the time. I'm not. 
Um, but, you know, like, it's, it's not about, you know, trying to compare ourselves to other people's gifts or their callings, but it's resting in the calling that God has put on your life. God is anointing and a rest on you. And he will rest on the real you. So in conclusion, what does this look like for our church? We've been unpacking it here. I hope you hear our hearts. I hope there's a greater understanding when we say we value rest as a church. And in our newcomer's lunch, a lot of times actually people will be like, what is rest? Like that will be one that people will question. People don't question as much the word of God, worship, prayer. That seems pretty typical when you go to a church. Like we're going to value those things. Rest, that sounds a little different. And, uh, and I always say to the new ones coming in, I'm like, well, at the heart of this, because we don't unpack it like this at a lunch, <laughs> at the newcomer's lunch, um, but at the heart of it is that we want to be a church that are people that are so following after the heart of God. We're not so busy doing. There are so many wonderful things, and we do do a lot of wonderful things at church. There's many amazing ministries running in the church, and many of you volunteering and serving, and it's so beautiful. But we want to make sure, and our prayer, and we're always like, Lord, we're always keeping ourselves in check with the Holy Spirit, is that everything that is being done in the life of this church is being done out of rest and not out of a burnout, that we're all burning out because that is not the heart of God. The heart of God is people that are alive and their relationship is just fresh. They're hearing from God. And we have time to spend time in the secret place because we're not always running out to another thing. There are many amazing programs in a church, and we are for them and we love them if the Lord has directed us to do them. But most importantly, church, the most important thing is that you have time in your week and in your days to spend time with the Lord personally. This is beautiful. We can gather. We can encourage. Life groups are so vital because you can gather with um, one another in small groups and grow together and pray for one another. It's so good. But not at the expense of your relationship with Jesus, your time in the secret place, hearing the voice of God for yourself hearing what he wants to speak into your life for your family, for your work, for your kids, for your grandkids. That is the most important. So we pray that we will always be pastors that will protect that in this church so that we are not too busy doing that we don't have time to be with Jesus and love him. There's a quote that we have just come on in the last month with our, we have a coach, a life coach, and I just like, I sat there and I'm like, it's going to be written all over. It hasn't been written all over yet, but I'm going to write it all over somewhere in our house. Um, By Henry Nowen, nothing conflicts with the love of Christ like service to Christ. Because it sometimes can get blurry. I'm serving. I'm loving you, God. I'm going to church. I'm doing this. And it's all very good. And when it's done out of our worship and it's done out of our joy. And where does that joy come from? Where does that that excitement and peaceful demeanor come from? It comes from spending time with the Lord and resting and slowing. Rest in his presence, confident that he is in control, leaning back into the grace 
that he has as a gift for each one of us. In Exodus 33, verse 14, he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And that is our prayer for Life Church, that his presence would always be with us and that we would accept and receive his grace and not run before, not run ahead, but sit back, take time, make time practically in your week. You have heard us say that we try to do some form of a Sabbath on Sunday afternoons, evening. It doesn't always happen because there's things that come up, but we try really hard. And we don't do the whole 24 hours. One day, maybe we'll get there. We're trying to figure it out with our family life. Um, and I know people that do, families that do, and it's such a beautiful thing. And um, we just haven't got there yet. See, like I said, a work in progress. But we want to honor God with our time. And we want to follow that, yes, we will work, and we will work, and we will do our best, and we will, and we will serve you, Lord. But then there will be a day that we will rest and cease and pause and know that he is God and he has everything in control. And it is like a faith statement because you always could work ahead in that time, right? If, well, if I just took this like couple hours, I could actually really get, get all this done and get ahead. No, no, no. I cease from my work as an act of rest. And I'm declaring that God's in control. He's got it. And I'm going to rest in him. Amen. And that's what we want for a church, church that casts all their cares upon the Lord, rests in his presence, lets him take it, and lets him control, let, lets him take control of our lives. Matthew 11, 28, 29. Come to me. Life Church, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Because he is gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. I just want to pray. Do you all want to stand? We've gone a little bit over time here. And uh, I just want to pray that this message would have just stirred something in your heart. And if you maybe have been going at a really busy pace, or maybe you have not been taking time to slow and still before the Lord and take time to hear him, just pray that there would be um, this would be an encouragement, this message to you. Like, yeah, I want to make more time for my Lord. I need to slow down. I need to operate out of a place of rest, not pure exhaustion. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this people. I thank you for your church. I thank you for the family that is Life Church. And Father, I pray right now, Father, that your rest would just hover over them. Father, I pray that they, even going home today, even hearing this message, Father, these words, Father, that Elio spoke, that we spoke, that they would take it to heart and see, how does this look? How does this work out in my day-to-day -day life? Am I running too much? Am I taking time just to still and hear you in my day? Am I looking to you for guidance, Holy Spirit? Am I taking time? Or am I just barreling through my days on my own agenda? We want to honor your principles. And you declared it, you commanded it, you exemplified this, Lord, a principle of rest, a principle of being before we go do. And God, I pray that over these people, Lord Jesus, that we would um, be on a journey to walk in your rest, to work out of your rest. May we be a people 
that know who we are in Christ and our confidence is in him because we have slowed and we have found our confidence in you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this church, Father. Thank you for this amazing, beautiful people. I pray that even this week that they would experience times of refreshing and rest just as they make a decision to go for a walk out in nature and just see you in nature. Stop the working and go. Maybe sit down. Open up the Word of God, slow and still. Maybe it means just making a cup of coffee and reading, but slowing the pace, going against culture, and resting so that you can fill us, so we can go out and do what you have us to do, Lord Jesus. We ask for that now in Jesus. I, Father, I pray for a blessing on your people. Bless them as they go out in this week, Father, I pray. And thank you that you are our strength. You are our source in all we do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Amen.